This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Hey y'all, Bayou Bendis here. You've heard us talk about DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports, and how payday can come every day by entering their contest with huge cash prizes up for grabs. This week is jam-packed with action ranging from basketball to golf and, of course, hockey. And DraftKings has plenty of ways for you to have a front-row seat in all of the action. Making a line on DraftKings adds excitement to every night and is simple to do. Draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every moment means more with a DraftKings lineup on the line. It's simple. Each player has a salary associated with drafting them. Assemble a lineup of players while staying under the salary cap and then sit back and watch your points pile up. DraftKings has paid over $7 billion to users across the sports. DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports, so there is no better place to get in on all of the action. Now that you know how to play, download the DraftKings app and sign up using the code THPN. New users will get a free entry with the first deposit. That's code THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit, only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for more. Hello, you're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Corey, a.k.a. Bayou Benders, alongside Mason Dixon, and this is Habs Nightly, your hub for Habs content. Things will be a little different tonight. Mason is at work, but we do have something special for y'all. We have another interview lined up with our friends over in Arizona with the Sporty Podcast. That's Corey and Richie. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it's about a 45-minute interview. And I hope you guys really enjoy it. It's more uh, home-rooted to me, in a sense. Mason has uh, been wanting to do something that involves Southern hockey and learning a little bit more about it and the people that come from it. So this hits a little closer to home to me, maybe not so much you Canadian listeners. But I hope you guys enjoy it nonetheless. All right, guys, we have a special treat for y'all. We have our friends at the Sporty Podcast. It's the Arizona affiliate for the THPN Network. It's our friends Richie and Corey. How are y'all? We're good. Um, I mean, you. I just got to introduce you guys to the world of pickleball. So, I mean, that's a great start. It's, it's something different, something new. And uh, I'm glad that I was able to be the one to introduce it to you. I think it's astronomically insane that like I'm looking at it and it's just using the middle of the court. And when you explained it, I thought like they were using, like they were cutting the court in half and using it respectively on both sides, but it's, it's not that at all. It's just like making the court even smaller, but uh, this is, this is insane. I can't wait to watch more of this um <laughs> pickleball it's so weird it's it's actually a ton of fun like you wouldn't think it would be but it is honestly a ton of fun and it's like and especially if you play with people that um are have pretty quick reflexes you're actually moving around quite a bit if not you can also play it like super super lazy i mean like, like it could probably a sport that you could probably play pretty drunk and still be fine that is exactly where I was going. Like, this seems like a very 
a very, I wouldn't say exclusive to drinking and just not much physicality, but like this looks like the easy man sport, like a Southern person. could. I'm surprised this isn't known in the South. It's so much harder than it looks though. I've, I've played yeah. it before and I've been schooled by a 65 year old man. Like it, it, it takes some technique. It's not just like quickness or, you know, speed. Well, it, I'm just, it's actually hard. I have Google images up and I'm looking at like a, let's just round it up to 20. So I'm looking at 20 images and I got like two young kids and the rest are like, excuse me, elder white people with like knee braces. So like this, I don't know. You know I feel like they, I could excel in this sport. You know how they air like uh, cornhole and that type of stuff? Mm-hmm. Well, they also apparently have pickleball tournaments on sometimes. Oh, and <laughs> this is the I watched it. I watched it one time and there was a pregnant lady who was um, competing in the tournament. And I was like, well, you know, no matter how I feel, I will always be like, I can't not play pickleball because if this lady was, and she wasn't just like early, she, early pregnancy, it was like probably seven, eight months in, she was playing pickleball. So, so this child, this child is going to come out of the womb and just get a pickleball. The Tiger Woods of racket, pickleball. right? Yeah, right into their hand. Probably. We're be talking like, that about- is that is a hallmark film like that just screams like how do you not sign this woman up for like a docu-series <laughs> you'd have to create some type of drama though like she was married to someone else in the pickleball circuit and then she slept with his partner and then mm. they she ended up getting pregnant with his like pickleball partner's baby or something in order for it to like end up on a movie you have to have some type of drama especially hallmark hallmark is like so big on like cheating spouses and like overcoming travesty or, so like or maybe she like loses in the final and it's all about this kid coming up and like gaining the championship she could never win <laughs> oh there you go redemption story that's a good one yeah this is like a three-part miniseries pickleball right? two redemption <laughs> <laughs> and then the spinoff can be like the, an Airbud spinoff. Oh my you know? god! Where they're, so it's a dog, dog. It. It's like the dog. Or for that... you, Richie, a cat. A cat, yeah. Mm. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> what what an insane sport that I can't wait to bring down here. Uh, and while we're kind of talking about like it's just goofy sports, um, so I've been thinking about trying to get a sport like in my community, one that I can excel at so I can feel, you know, like, like a winner. And I don't know the sport. So what, I'll just start right there. Like, I don't, I don't have a sport picked out. You're but I thought of the name. Mini putt crown. Okay. But like, I can't, I can't have a team of, of that, you know, like, I don't want to oh, see. I've made a team name and this is this whole little topic. The St. Bernard super spreaders, right? How sick. <laughs> of a name is that trademarked already so like whatever sport like it, w- it will transcend sports so like like i'm thinking like if it's basketball right i'll never play basketball but maybe i'll fund a team like the basketball is now like a goofy cartoonized like covid um you know like the green circle with the shrek ears all over it 
but like all for different sports, like a kickball team, the same thing. So, so like a Cajun person. You're yeah, like huddle. Are you just like getting obnoxiously in each other's faces and like making sure you breathe really heavily? I mean, that's up to them. You know, if they want to like <laughs> really take on the persona of the super spreaders, like sure. I'm just more or less trying to market something and get some sales. Like, <laughs> no, I want a championship uh, dodgeball or kickball team called the St. Bernard Super Spreaders. What if you were to do it as like a, a strong competition against the Harlem Globetrotters? Ooh. <laughs> is average Joe's like our, our whole motto is to try to get at least one member sick. You know, so there is some type of competition. I mean, on the topic of super spreaders, we are talking to the hosts of a team that have just played St. Louis for what, the fifth or sixth game in a row because of COVID. I'm just going to segue out of that. No, no, no. Great segue. Great segue. That was actually really good. That's a top on top today. You only get the best quality from THPN and Habs Nightly. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i love how we all have to applaud ourselves though like we do it too like every single time that there's like a great transition we're always like that's such Money. a great transition or if we're on someone else's podcast we're always like that was such a great transition and i always think later like richie and i do this because we're dumbasses but like for <laughs> everyone else i'm sure they were like wanting to have a great transition without anyone acknowledging it so that way it was like a genuinely great transition without it being corny and we're just like that was a great transition <laughs> Yeah, and you just you ruin it. you ruin it immediately. No, how can you ruin it? Like I'm not, you know, I'm not big. This isn't like I don't know air quotes like your favorite big big media podcast. Like I want to applaud that trans, you know, transition. I don't want to like in the chat like, hey, great transition. Secretly, no, like let them know that was great, brilliant. Well, thank you. But, Lifting yeah. each other up. Yeah, so what? <laughs> so what he is raised it? me up. <laughs> <laughs> so are we at a uh, six games now against St. Louis, or is it five? Tonight is six, right, six. Richie? Tonight's six. Saturday night was the sixth game between the Blues and the Coyotes. Yes. That's oh, I love how you phrase it that way. You, he does it so much better. I say tonight because we're recording on Saturday, but he knows it's coming out on Sunday. Corey, you should know this by now. We we went through this in uh, in two seasons in, like in broadcast school. Basically, we know this is how to how to phrase things when things are like current and not current, like for print and for radio. And for us, it's different because we know the episode's coming out on Monday. So by the time people are listening to this on Monday, the game would have already happened. The Caddies would have looked amazing <laughs> in reverse retro jerseys. They won 5-1. I can't to wait one. to talk about that. Uh, on Toronto was great. He made 47 saves out of 48. And the Caddies have won now four out of the first six games against the, the St. Louis Blues. So. Damn. Great. Um <laughs> You can edit that out if that doesn't happen. But no, I it love doesn't. it. No, we'll keep it because uh, we we have hot <laughs> we have hot takes. I know what a hot take is. No, um, we do the same thing though. I'm not gonna lie. You know, this is more of a, a humble podcast. Sometimes I'm right and say you know the previous game, and sometimes I'm not. We, me and Mason, both have that problem, and uh, it happens multiple times in an episode. Like, you think I, I would, I would correct problem. myself? I'm, I'm it's not a problem. Right. It's 
it's it's average Joe's. Like I'm I'm here to to provide them and let them know, like, hey, this is a legit thing. Like, I'm not, you know, <laughs> I didn't go to school for this. Like, the problem is we did go to school for this. So when when I fuck up, that's why Richie's like, um, Corey, how many classes did you take where they tell you to tell you to say this? I'm just stupid sometimes. I, I don't have an excuse. Oh man, that that there's nothing wrong with that. That is literally like the podcast like anthem. Sometimes I do that, you know. But but um let's 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 kind of stay on St. uh the St. Louis, Arizona thing. This is kind of it's it's kind of insane. It's like we, we said right before we jumped on, it's like watching the team play um, a playoff series like three weeks in. And um, I don't know. You guys have been looking good as of late. Um, Dvorak. <laughs> Dvorak's yeah. pretty fucking fire right now. Yeah. I mean, uh, you could also throw Connor Garland in there. He's mm. been killing it. Um, I don't know if you guys saw the video before this series of him pissing off uh, Gibson so much that he ran out of his crease and jumped on top of him. Oh, that's that was amazing. fun. No, but that's awesome. That's like some Brendan Lemieux style, like under your skin. So that's awesome. Uh, he actually is a 90 overall in my NHL uh, 21 right now. So kudos to that guy. He's, I play for Arizona, so woo, you know, signed a contract, big old contract. You know. I gotta give, <laughs> I gotta give a lot of credit to uh, the goaltending tandem too. Montreal keeps getting a big spotlight for our goalies, and the play of Price I don't think's backed up all the praise we've been getting. But the Ranta and Darcy Kemper have just they have great stats on the season so far, to say the least. And it's been most—it's been mostly Kemper this year too, because Ronta's only played in two games this year. He, he had a—he was banged up with a little injury there at the beginning of the road trip, but he's—he's he's back and healthy, starting on Saturday night against the Blues there. And so it's mostly been Darcy Kemper, and for the most part, Darcy Kemper has been really good this season. He's—he he got off to a really, really, really slow start, where his save percentage was like eight eighty. 890 there for a while. It's now back up closer to 920. And he's starting to play like the Darcy Kemper that was a Vesna candidate, you know, last year and the year prior. But yeah, I mean, that's that's the Coyotes backbone. That's how they're going to win is if they get good goaltending and just enough offense. And that's kind of how they've been able to do it, do it so far against St. Louis in a couple of these games is they get, they get you know, good goaltending and then they get just enough offense to, to, uh, to beat the Blues, and unfortunately, that was the problem in on the game on on Friday night was that they uh, they fell behind, came back, and then it was a one-one game for pretty much the entire you know second half of the game, and then they just could never find a way the Coyotes to get that second goal, and it cost them, and they ended up losing four to one because they gave up you know a couple empty netters at the end of the game. But uh-huh. yeah, I um I think Corey and I can say that we resonate with the whole hope the goalie gets a bunch of saves and then the offense gets one or two goals. We we've lived that for a few years ourselves. It kind of feels like we're, we're returning to that uh, after the last couple of games of play, but no, this kind of like, it almost transcends more than just the season. Like last year, like 
I remember early on, like Arizona was like goaltendings were like the hot pickups in fantasy. Like no one expected much, which is sad because this is a, this is a decent ass team now. And I just remember like getting on, like I had to have uh, either one of them. I had to pick up Auntie Ranta because my cousin ended up getting uh, Darcy Kemper. But I'm just happy that it wasn't just like a one year kind of prosperity type of thing. Like it's this is the second year and they're still predominantly just as good as last year. My biggest problem I have with Auntie Ranta is the fact that he can like look at a body part and injure it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's the worst thing ever. And and it always ends up coming back to his groin. I don't know what the man's doing with his groin, but it's definitely he's definitely not stretching it properly because that tends to be like the main injury he gets. But he cannot stay healthy to save his life. And it, it is kind of frustrating too from a fact of, of a team. And, you know, eventually they're probably going to want to to dish Ronta out because of the fact that, you know, Kemper's good and they have um, some good guys coming through the system um, beneath Ronta. So it kind of undermines his value a little bit when the fact that he can't ever stay healthy. So we would rather get out there, you know, it's not really, you know, unknown that this team is killing for um, some cap space and for some picks after someone we will not mention um, kind of screwed us over there. So um, it <laughs> definitely could use Ronto to stay healthy and still look good because he'll end up getting dished eventually. But uh, with how unhealthy he constantly is, I just feel like it hurts his value so much. Yeah. And he was brought in initially um, to be the starter too, right? From the Rangers, I believe it was a few years ago now. Um. Yeah, that's yeah. correct. Yeah, okay. And yeah, like you said, like I th- I still think Ranta can be a starting goalie in the league, but when you're made of tissue paper, to say the least, and you play on a team like Arizona, which I do think has a bright future, but right now you guys rely on Kemper a lot. It's uh not great to have a guy who's often injured. No, and that's like the just the unfortunate part of it all is because that's what keeps this team in games a lot of times. Uh, Richie and I say all the time that this team really kind of disappoints him sometimes because of the fact that he uh, Kemper will keep them into games and then they won't score enough goals in order to win the game. And so he puts in a a great showing and then they end up losing the game one to nothing. And it's like, you've got to be kidding me. How can you go into that? And there was a, there was a back-to-back streak of that. Um, between uh, a Ducks game to um, a Knights game that were both that way. And it was getting really frustrating. And that was kind of the part where you were starting to wonder, is this what we're going to see out of the team the rest of the season? It wasn't until they started playing um, St. Louis that you really kind of thought, this is what we knew the team had in them. But I don't know why, but it always ends up being St. Louis. I don't know if it's, you know, they have similar styles and they're able to get underneath St. Louis's skin that way. Um, but whenever they go there, they always seem to play much better than they play other teams. And uh, Clayton Keller is always his best when he goes back home and plays there. And he's one of the players that I will always harp on because of the fact that he has so much possibility and so little that he actually gives out on the ice. 
Well, I kind of understand that in in the aspect of the goalie. We we do have a, a Clayton Keller on the team. Uh, but but we'll, we don't have to go into him. But um, I do feel I do feel that on the goalie aspect, it's like uh, especially last. Jeez, it was last night for us. It could be two nights ago for y'all. I'm not gonna do my math, but um, uh, it, it's tough watching like the Jake Allen show and. You know, having the expectation, especially from St. Louis fans, that he's going to buckle under pressure, and he really hasn't. And this is the second, if I'm not mistaken, the second or third time this season um, with both goalies now, where they've had a phenomenal night, and we just we just couldn't deliver for them to, you know, to to kind of hey, look, we we appreciate you being the number one player on the team tonight. Here's a win because we were able to, you know, drive back because of your momentum. And it, it kind of it, it it's really frustrating, you know, to know that the goal is out there just thirty plus saves, and we got a goal, you know, <laughs> that that's what we did for you, you know, one measly goal. Yeah, definitely. Like, I oh sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was about to say I'm leaving dead space for for Richie to put in his two cents if, Richard. if he disagrees with me. <laughs> oh, you guys nailed it. I mean, I, the way you were describing <laughs> it, their benders is kind of. I feel like the Coyotes and, and the Habs, in a way, are on very similar trajectories, right? Where both of the teams were kind of in this rebuild situation. And so they got, uh, you know, they have some really young players there in both situations. And they're still trying to find a way to break through and get themselves in the conversation as far as being a, back in the playoffs, right? And I feel like that the Habs last year, for the most part, were that, right? Where they kind of, especially with like Max Domi there for a while, he was playing some some, some great hockey for you guys, putting up some, you know, some big time point totals before he got shipped out again to Columbus. Such but a I tough, like, tough loss. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, I feel like both teams are, are in very similar circumstances and on very similar trajectories. So like, it's like the Coyotes are the West, Coast version of the Habs and the Habs of the East Coast version of the Coyotes, in a way. I like that. Which, um, go ahead, Corey. Other I had a, not to turn the, the this into me interviewing you guys, but like I did have, have a like a slight question for you guys since Richie made that question. Um, <laughs> in in the regard, I can't remember who said it. Who who was it, Richie? That cat said that was saying that like uh, in in Canada now that all of the Canadian teams are playing each other. It's gotten so much more hype, which I, I didn't oh, understand. Like hockey yeah, always has hype in Canada. Oh, uh, I can, I can answer that if you want, Corey. It, yeah. And, and then, and like, do you guys really feel like it has made any difference in this season? Like as a, as a whole so far, the fact that it's like an all Canadian league, and, you know, you're not having to deal with COVID because not really, not that many people in Canada are getting COVID. It's just here in the States, I guess. Um, well, I'll start by saying we're actually doing almost as bad as you guys promise. So you guys aren't as bad as you think you are in terms of like it ratio. hit the players. Yeah, we're, we're doing pretty bad here in Ontario, especially. We're getting like 5,000 cases a day. But... In terms of like the hype for Canadian battles, I think it's just because the fan bases here take it so much more seriously. Like even if you're a completely horrible team like Ottawa, 
like you guys have met Shane. That guy is going to go nuts no matter if they have two wins in the standings or not. So there's already a little bit of hype anyway. And ever since 93, like we haven't brought up the cup home to Canada. And there's almost this sort of like, especially with the Habs and Leafs right now, Vancouver was in the mix last year. It's a race to see who brings it home. So when the teams are playing each other, like that's something that's talked about on TSN all the time for the past like decade. It's which team's going to bring the cup home to Montreal. So I think it brings that extra little bit of edge, I guess, to the like chirpiness among the fan bases where we just go at each other relentlessly. Like there can be no rivalry and Edmonton and Ottawa fans will just go at each other on Twitter for hours. Okay. I was, that's cause I was like thinking when I, I, I was like, there has to be something in this that I'm missing because of the fact that to me, it's like, it's not like, you know, here in Arizona or in the United States in general, like all of a sudden everyone's watching soccer. Right. And everyone's <laughs> going like ham for it. I felt like it was rephrased almost that way. in the fact that something that wasn't really popular all of a sudden became popular. But that makes a lot more sense that way than I feel like the way it was was worded. Yeah, no, I think it's just a set of like infighting almost. Like I want at this point, I'll be happy if any Canadian team other than the Leafs wins the cup. But it's it's a bit of a race. And just to kind of comment, I, I know it was like a while ago now, but uh, Richie comparing uh, the Habs to the Coyotes. I was actually going to make the same comparison. Um I think you guys are like in terms of projection, I think we're a little bit of head in our rebuild, but if you look at the pieces, like you guys have two, I think does can Dvorak play center? I know he plays kind of both. He, he is a center. Yeah, yeah. He's a, he's a full-time center. Yep. Oh, he is. And I know Keller can play there too. So you got your two young centers. You guys have a phenomenal, like looking like a phenomenal defenseman, at least offensively in Jacob Chikrin. I like Nick Schmaltz. You've got like some young guys, You've got a phenomenal goalie who Kemper is aging. I just think you guys are like a little bit behind us, but I actually think this Arizona team is really, really good in terms of like prospect potential, I guess. I love your young guys. I'm just curious, like we're at the stage where we feel we can compete this year. Are you guys, are you guys thinking that or would you rather almost finish lower and get another selection? Well, unfortunately, that's not going to happen. Uh, so the Coyotes can't change. Oh, wait. Did you lose your first as well? Shots yeah, fired. for the next two years, I believe. Oh, I'm so, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize. Yeah, it's bringing that up like just to oh, – Read the paperwork, gosh. Mason. Jeez. Even if we hadn't, though, I mean, there was plenty of years where the team was god-awful, and they still got like a five and a seven – it, it doesn't matter. The team could be god awful, and even if they did still have their like first pick, first round pick, it still wouldn't be uh, within the top five. That's ridiculous. I didn't realize they lost it for two years. I apologize. I should have should have read that before. Read I asked the, the packet, buddy. Like we're, we're trying to keep friends. Like. Oh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but no. Um. But but it is kind of it, it does suck for them, but um. If I'm not mistaken, Neil had pointed this out to us earlier that um, according to the, the score, that they, they're all working on changing the way that the draft lottery does work. So hopefully you guys don't get fleeced out of, you know, 
a one through three pick and end up with like a five, five through seven. Well, what's what's the outlook for this team then now? Do you like try and flip your guys like Kessel and maybe OEL and get some picks? Or you like you don't want to stay in limbo, obviously, but where do you kind of go from here? That's the that's the big question, I think, for this team. I think you nailed it. That's something that Corey and I have talked about in the past, which is you're looking at a team that I, Corey and I thought was going to be torn down for the most part in the offseason, and it really wasn't. They pretty much brought back the same exact team. Mm-hmm. And they're in a situation where a lot of their older veterans are on expiring contracts. So maybe you might be able to deal them at the trade deadline and try and get something back. But so – that's kind of a tough thing to do. And a lot of those guys are going to walk in free agency, right? Antioranta is one of them. Jason Demers is another one. Alex Goligoski. Um, they already dealt Derek Stepan, uh, obviously, before the season even started. He was on an expiring contract, too. So Bill Armstrong has got a lot of doing to do in terms of trying to rebuild this team without having to give up any more ass- younger assets. They do have some some nice players coming up, like Victor Soderstrom, the defenseman from Sweden, draft pick from 2019. I, I think he's going to be a, a really solid, you know, middle, you know, uh, middle, you know, probably bottom four defenseman in this in the in the league. Um, but that's the thing; it's like they got to find a way to try and recomp some of the draft picks to really start rebuilding. Because as far as I'm concerned, like there's just not the prospect pool isn't as good as some of the other teams, right? Because they missed on on several guys, right? I think missing on Dylan Strom set them back years, right? They had a chance to really hit on that pick if they were taking a Mitch Marner or somebody else in that situation, and they didn't. Instead, they drafted Dylan Strom, and it set them back. It set them back three or four years. So they're in a tough situation. Bill Armstrong's got a lot of tasks ahead of them. I, after the season is is going to be quite fascinating. Rick Tockett is in his contract year too. So I don't know what his future is like. Corey and I have discussed it on our show. And it's like, well, if they make the playoffs, he might stick around. And if he doesn't, he's gone. Bill Armstrong's going to be bringing a new guy. So it's a bit of limbo here for the Coyotes in terms of where they go next from here, basically. Yeah, definitely. Like I, I personally, I think the Habs are in a way in a similar situation. I think we're competitive this year too. But it's kind of an outlook of are we going to win with our veterans or do we need to maybe retool another year or so and really get ourselves over the edge because we don't want to waste these guys too. So I think it's a definitely a tough spot for a G, any GM to be in, but especially inheriting the you know disaster that John Chica must have left in Arizona, not, not in terms of roster build, but just in terms of, like you said, scouting and drafting and all that it must be really tough on Bill Armstrong to uh, kind of build a plan. Yeah. I think it was difficult when he came, he knew it was going to be difficult when he came in. Uh, everything with John Chiket was kind of interesting because I feel like when he was here, it was kind of, it's kind of like a, like a bad relationship and the fact that everyone I think had kind of some, some kind of like bias towards him while he was here. Everyone kind of, wanted him to be something great wanted to buy into what he was selling like we even thought we didn't think he was really that bad of a gm until he left and everyone started looking at things again started looking at the trades he made and where some of those players are now and some of the picks that he made and it just none of them fully panned out the way that we wanted them to 
And a lot of it has to do with the fact that he um, basically he goes off of just solely stats and he doesn't really look to see how that's going to fit into a team. So when the team was fully together, it, it just was a bunch of um, pieces that wouldn't fit together. And so now that he's been gone, I think everyone has gotten a lot more of a objective view of his tenure as a GM and is not happy with kind of what he did here. And then as for everything with Bill Armstrong, he's, he, I think he's made some really great choices since he's gone here. He's focused a lot of time and energy into everything. Um, he's gotten rid of um, a lot of people on the scouting side. He really believes that you build all that stuff from the bottom up. So um, he really reworked all of that basically. And, um, and all of a sudden too, we also found out that Steve Sullivan the AGM that was underneath Chica has also left. We are unsure why they won't give any details, but there's a lot of things that are being kind of torn apart in that regard. And he's just building it all back up. And I think with his ability to really know scouting wise, what he needs to do, it's going to be the best thing for this team because that's where you're going to have to try and rebuild this team is honestly from the bottom up. Yeah, definitely. And I think uh, it's kind of interesting to see the fall from grace Chaika had. I remember just like a few years ago, he was the NHL's wonder boy and analytics and were, you know, kind of brought into the limelight. And I think he's a good example that analytics are a great tool, but not necessarily, they shouldn't necessarily be the main catalyst for making hockey decisions. And uh, just to kind of move this forward a little bit, um, we did want to talk to you guys about southern hockey because my friend and wonderful co-host is in fact from louisiana and uh obviously you guys have seen and heard a lot of shit about arizona some of which has come from myself so i just want to know Corey, maybe you can take the lead on this or sir benders and kind of talk about the growth we've seen in southern hockey that was about to be a real pickle um <laughs> Uh, I've never had that challenge on my podcast yet to understand which score you were talking to. But um, but no, um, I like it. You know, I love it a lot. I think that um, that Southern hockey is really becoming prominent and showing that you don't technically need to live in the tundras of Canada to have a team and be successful. I think um, last season in general, it was awesome to see Arizona um, – you know, just do as well as he did, especially goaltending wise. Um, I expected more out of Taylor Hall, but he's a fucking bum. But I think like teams like, you know, I mean, let's just look at last season we had, you know, it kind of sucks. We're not going to have one this year, but the, the winter classic was in the South, how they made that happen. And, and fucking Dallas blows my mind at the cotton bowl. Um, granted, like, like they said, the ice was trash. But, like, it was kind of a proving point that, you know, like, Southern hockey does exist, and it's, it's actually pretty vibrant. It's just not talked about, or it's, it's not being brought to the picture enough because it's not, you know, it's, it's, it's somewhere where you wouldn't expect it. And I think Arizona's a, a big, a big kind of a hallmark place for that now to see, like, what they've come through and what they've had to endure to continue to keep, keep going strong. But, um, you know, two, two teams from the South go to the Stanley Cup. Like a Tampa win, sadly, against Dallas. But 
I mean, it just kind of proves, you know, like Southern hockey exists and, you know, we're not just a footnote and God bless all the Southern teams right now. <laughs> I think you can make an argument that some of these Southern teams, some of these newer market teams don't happen without the Coyotes, right? Like hundred um, percent. Coyotes came in here to, in 1996. And after that, right, we have expansion teams in Vegas we have expan- an expansion team coming to Seattle, which is obviously in the north, but still it, it shows you an expansion out west at least. And then, uh, you know, the success of the Tampa Bay Lightning and, and the Florida Panthers came in around the same time. So you can make an argument that it was because of the Coyotes. And in a way, I, I hate to say this, you guys are going to really hate me for this. That was all Gary Bettman's doing, right? Gary Bettman committed the league. I'm not upset with it. Not upset at all. Right, Gary Bettman committed the league to expanding to different markets. Some worked better than others. Obviously, it was a shit show in Atlanta, unfortunately. Fuck Atlanta. <laughs> you don't have to bring them up. They're ghostly. But, um, but yeah, I mean, the Cowboys were kind of one of the – they weren't the first, but they were the first – they've been here for 25 years now for a reason, right? They've had their ups and downs, but if it wasn't really going to work here, they would have been gone five times over by now, like – like Atlanta was. And one one more thing too is I actually had a chance when I was in I was in Atlanta for the Super Bowl in 2019 and when I was there for the weekend I actually went to an Atlanta Gladiators game there nice. an ECHL team and the place was packed and it was a it was a great hockey game and everybody was into it and it was awesome and I hope that continues in the ECHL and other other leagues the SPHL I believe is is still around. Yes they um, are. So, yeah, it's great. I love seeing hockey succeed in markets where it doesn't necessarily seem like it should work, but it works. And um, it's a grassroots thing, right? And it's the grassroots of hockey here is continuing to grow. Um, we have a, a, a all-female women's adult league now that just started here in, in Phoenix, which is, which is great. Uh, we have the Arizona Kachinas who are succeeding on a national level now. Um, winning um, you know national championships basically and yeah it's it's going to continue to grow I think we're in a, we're in a good place as far as southern hockey goes and as far as hockey goes in in non-traditional markets and I think that's amazing yeah just um because I know how Corey um sorry Benders this is going to confuse the shit out of me um developed his kind of Corey with an E for hockey but how did you guys kind of get it like yeah, fair enough. Hey, I would like to say that it's the coolest thing ever that the other person on this uh, network that's named Corey is Benders because Benders <laughs> is one of my favorite people on this network. So oh, there, there's some there are some other people that if I would have had the same name, I would have been just irritated every single time. But I'm I'm totally fine with sharing the same name with you, Benders. I appreciate it. It's like Mason with two S's. It's it's so unique. That's I, that's an inside <laughs> joke because Mason's Mason has his thing as Mason with two S's. So before we really got tight and like felt like this weird ten year distant brotherly love, I thought it was Mason with two S's, and he he just like pulled me to the side one day and he was like, "Hey, I'm just letting you know that that was like a my name was taken for Yahoo for my email, so I had to put a second S." And I was like, "Oh shit!" So 
Just my, <laughs> my Twitter name is Corey Nicole with two E's instead of one. We always make a joke about it because Corey Nicole was taken with one E. Mm. Bastards. It yeah. happens. It seems like an insignificant thing to do until everyone starts spelling your name wrong and you realize the giant mistake you've made. <laughs> I've, been, I've, been no, I've been known as Mason for about four years now, so. Um, but I want, I want to just go back to what Richie said. I do love, um, I think Arizona is the, the, the beginning of, of true Southern hockey. Um, and I don't right off the top of my head without looking any of this up. I don't know if they were here before Dallas or, or Tampa, I don't care. I just think that Arizona has got to be the, the hardest market to have made a team in because at least in Dallas, like hockey is well-known. Florida is just like its own weird child because a lot of northern folks retired to Florida. So what do they want? They want hockey. They, you know, they just buy themselves a team, which basically happened. But I think Arizona is, is the most remarkable for southern teams because it was a place where no one expected hockey to, uh, to live, outlive places like Atlanta and then actually preserve a unique and respectful game. So that's why I love Arizona the most. They have the Love saying that they have the best away kits in the fucking game. But um, I think Southern hockey really strives in Arizona is the number one place to look at because of that. Because they've yeah. taken everything that you could be thrown at them and they're still here. Yeah, I don't want to take up too much. Oh, sorry. As you say, we still get stuff thrown at us. And I mean, there are certain people, um, this podcast included, not vendors, you can guess who, who have thrown <laughs> stuff at us before. Uh, uh, sorry. Stuff happens, <laughs> but I was <laughs> I was ra- <laughs> I was raised in a very spiteful country where a a beloved hockey team was stolen from us. So there's still some anger there, but I'm still uh, I'm still curious. Like, how did you guys get to uh, start really watching hockey? Obviously, the team's been there for a long time now, but there must have been some sort of exposure that you guys got to it that really made you fall in love with the game uh i always let richie go first in this i don't know why but it always just like mine i always feel like is like a whole longer story than his yeah thank you i appreciate that um (laughs) yeah mine's a lot mine's a lot shorter i did not grow up a hockey fan i i grew up a massive basketball and baseball fan between the the suns and diamondbacks here Mm -hmm. And so those are my two favorite sports, obviously, growing up. Football, not so much because fucking Cardinals are a goddamn disaster trash bag of fire. So fuck them. They don't matter. Tell but, me about it. So I, I went to my first hockey game. It was a Coyotes and Capitals game in 2009, early 2009. Wayne Gretzky was still the coach. <laughs> that is Ilya, awesome. Ilya Brzgalov was the starting goaltender. And I won tickets through a contest. So I, my mom and I went and we sat like lower level, like pretty good seats. I was like, man, this is cool. I like this sport. I'm going to get into this sport more. So I became a fan from there. The, that next season, the Coyotes hired Dave Tippett. They started making the playoffs. And I was like, all right, I'm all in on this team now. And then I got to cover hockey in college, the ACHA team, um, ASU. They are now NCAA, which is incredible. But uh, back in the day, they were ACHA club team, and I started covering them for two years, my last two years of college. 
and uh, it's it's been my passion ever since. So I it's been I've been a hockey fan for, gosh, a little over a decade now, which is kind of wild. I want yeah, to comment, um, but I want Corey to speak first. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so I guess with mine, um, I guess maybe it's a little bit more on the traditional side of uh, my first hockey game was actually my mom's a teacher and she was gifted um, tickets back in their like first original arena. It was actually on Thanksgiving of all days. It's kind of strange, but um, there was a game on Thanksgiving. We did Thanksgiving dinner and then afterwards went and uh, watched the game. I absolutely like loved it just because of the energy that is hockey and then um but I really didn't I, I was really young went to that game so um I mean the team came here 96 I was born 94 so in those early years it was I was way too young to really understand and then when I got into elementary school age I think it was like third grade whatever um my best friend that I grew up with he his family was from Boston so he grew up playing hockey since he was a little kid and um so I initially started out as a Boston Bruins fan uh, and kind of a Coyotes fan on the side and then um as I got older obviously I embraced the Coyotes more being here and then um so I, I was a fan of hockey in that sense but I wasn't around it like all the time and then um and then I turned into a teenager and um my, my best friend I was one of my best friend's games and talking to guys and doing stuff I ended up being around the rink like all the time and so um, I really started embracing the game that way and then when I was 16 um, I met my boyfriend who I'm still with today um, and uh, I re and he he had been playing since he was four born and raised his whole family is all from Arizona so that was my first time that I had learned about like everything that was um you know the days of of hockey before the coyotes even got here was um because his uh, my boyfriend's dad started playing hockey before the coyotes were even a thought here and so i i got to learn about all of that and really just fell in love with the history of it here in in, in the state and uh then basically kept on going with it from there and uh, met richie when I was um, doing ACJ um, ASU hockey with him, I was covering it until my boyfriend got to ASU and couldn't get anywhere because um, since he was on the team and then followed it through there. And, uh, and then Richie and I, after we graduated, both just decided to do a hockey podcast. So that's kind of where we went from this. And so, yeah, it's it's a little bit weird. We both have completely different stories. We ended up with the same passion for uh, hockey in the end. I love it. Um, I'm just I I just I'm just so jealous that you lived in a market that was still like capable of keeping a game up regardless of not having your NHL team there yet. Um, we didn't have shit. Like we literally had our um you know the new orleans brass but there was no they didn't build rinks around us there was no real roller hockey growing up like i felt like the roller odd hockey child. Was a big thing here in arizona that led to a lot of youth teams honestly a lot played roller hockey first and i love that i wish uh 
I wish that was something that I could have, I could have had a head part in as a kid. Like when I tell you that I played by, my, by myself on, in my driveway um, until like, until I kind of gave up on, on hoping that, you know, a team, you know, like some type of hockey environment could be brought here. Um, it was, it was kind of devastating, but like, I literally played by myself, like the closest you could go with Baton Rouge is the hour 45 to really get any type of hockey. And, um, it, it was just tough, but I love, I love hearing Southern hockey stories and how you, how you fall in love with it. I literally watched probably the mighty ducks. And then like, I was like, dad, this is sick. Like, why don't we have this sport? And he couldn't answer it, but then he was just like, Hey, just watch you know, let's watch Slapshot or let's watch another, you know, like let's watch another hockey film. Like my dad kept my interest in it, regardless of not having an outlet to, to play it. And um, I just, I just think it's awesome that you guys, you know, had a chance to, even if you weren't fans, like it was still somewhat in your community to an extent, you know, and then you guys got the ultimate prize of, of getting a fucking team. Oh yeah. I mean, we had, so Tucson Roadrunners that we have right now, that's our AHL team. There was a there was a team that was called the Roadrunners that played here in, in our Coliseum down here um, before all of that. And they were around, when was that? Was that the 70s or the 80s? The 70s. They turned in the 70s. 70s. Yeah. And so they were around before. And um, that's actually what got my boyfriend's dad into um, into hockey. And he started playing more as like an adult. And uh so when uh, my boyfriend was born same year as me, 94. So when born, his, his brother is nine years older, was already playing. You had to drive 45 minutes just to get to a rink, just to get to practice. So they would do, you know, the kid practices that were like early as hell in the morning. And they would drive all the way down to Tempe, which was a 45 minute drive every single time just to go play hockey but because of that team that they had such a passion around it that it, it didn't really matter and in fact like it's uh it's kind of a, a cool thing that I got to experience was uh because of his uh brother being so much older and since his, they like basically were there towards the beginning of a lot of this stuff um it was um my boyfriend's dad who was one of the main people that started high school hockey in this state so um there's a lot of that stuff that you it's so kind of recent in the past couple decades of everything that it's really cool because you get to be a part of the history and know literally the history of um the sport and how it grow, grows throughout it like they're naming a trophy after his dad for high school hockey so it's stuff that you know in um in canada has like such a long tradition a lot of times it's not like tangible like i literally get to touch that history every single day by being able to talk about stuff with his dad we were just literally talking about it last night and that's some of the cool stuff that i think is um is something that we get by being in, in a market that's kind of more newer to the sport than others mm-hmm. that i don't think that people like canadians could ever really fully touch that inception of it in the same way Right, I love that. That's very sick. Um, I know Mason's gonna want to roll out soon. We're about to play Toronto, um, but do we have you have a final question for our lovely guest, Mason? Uh, no, I I love both of your stories too. Like, especially what you're saying about the grass programs in Arizona. Like, we're seeing 
obviously hockey's picking up there. Uh, Austin Matthews is the, obviously the clear name that comes to mind, but I'm sure we're going to see more young guys break into the NHL from the state of Arizona, you know, Texas, Cali, all those other states too. So uh, I appreciate you guys coming on really. Like we've been wanting to talk for a while and I think we, uh, we had a nice long chat here. I don't know how long we've been going for, but really appreciate it. So thank you. Well, yeah. uh, Thank you very much. Thank you all so much for coming on. Um, I hope this isn't the only time you guys come on this season. Uh, we'd love to have you back. Stanley Cup, baby. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, I truthfully think that I can, the Canadian team that does make it will lose because they have not experienced what the U.S. COVID, COVID situation is. I think that we're going to be – we're just not going to know how to react when we lose 12 people. And the U.S. is going to be like, you know, born and bred into it by the time the – the, the playoffs come around, but um, I wish you guys the best and, uh, and we'll, we'd love to have you guys on soon. And um, if, if you guys want to please plug your, your podcast and wherever we can reach all. Oh, talk, right, Corey? Cause I can do all this stuff. I usually am better at it. Oh, that's bad. I, I bow down to Richie on this. It is his bread and butter and not mine whatsoever. So, so go right ahead, Richie. Thank you. Yeah, every Monday and Thursday right here on the Hockey Podcast Network, obviously, name of the show, it's called Sporty with Ray and Richie. You can subscribe on all of the platforms, obviously, Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio. We're up everywhere. Follow the show on Twitter at Corey underscore Richie Show. We're on Instagram, too, at Corey Richie Show there. My personal Twitter handle is at rflores91. And then you can follow Corey at Corey Nicole with two E's. There you go. One take, baby. Very nice. That almost sounds like it was written down and just mastered. So that's I've almost. Just, <laughs> I've done it so many times. It's just, it's, I can just do it without even thinking at this point. And being in he, radio for seven years helps. <laughs> exactly. Everything with him, it's like you give it to him and he automatically has this like radio voice and he just like spits it out. And if I try and do it, I'm just like, and, um, you know, and then I'm like, and an underscore, correct, Richie? And it's like, there's no point in hearing me babble across it. He just broadcasts it out every time. I love it. What a dynamic duo. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. But uh, thanks again for you guys coming on. And um, God bless Southern Hockey. And good luck to the Arizona Coyotes on their rest of their season. See, I'm not that great at outros. <laughs> Well, we wish you guys uh, the most love possible, too, even though you guys are a Canadian team and we will never see you. But um, in the <laughs> same regard uh, as, <laughs> our Canadian, as our Canadian twins, we, we wish you well. We want to thank Corey and Richie for stopping by on tonight's episode of Habs Nightly, and we really hope that you fans enjoyed listening to their perspective of hockey in the South. But right now, the game is going on. Uh, Mitch Marner, I don't know. It seems like it's going to be another tough night for the boys, three games in a row. But uh, Mitch Marner just scored. It doesn't look like we're going to get to tonight's game. Um, Let's just try but to get that coverage tonight. on the next Folks, episode. This has been had. You guys had a really, we good, really a really great night, and that this game becomes a follow a success for us. And it's not at Habs Nightly. Another Bayou Benders. Another bad night due to having three games off, and you know this is this is a big game for us to win, considering we're about to go 
on a week-long break, and we're going to be facing Toronto once again. We really need to kind of, you know, make this the effort that turns turns the tides for us because the last two games have been, I don't know, it seems like we're just not all there. But, folks, thank you guys so much for listening to Habs Nightly. Uh, this is going to conclude the episode so I can, me and Mason can both watch the game to an extent. Hopefully it's, it's at least a nail-biter if it's going to come down to something that's not in our favor. But, folks, thank you all so much. This has been Habs Nightly. Please follow us on Twitter at Nightly and at Vibenders. We hope you guys have a great night. Thank you. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.